Welcome. Uh, fresh episode, Dr. James Beckett, Sports Card Insights here with Adam Martin, as you can see from the show notes. Looking forward to our conversation. But first, thanks to our sponsors, Burbank Sports Cards, Mike Stadium Sports Cards, Beckett.com, Beckett Media, Beckett Grading, Beckett Authentication, ComC.com, Tops, Panini, and Upper Deck, as well as Heritage Auctions and Huggins and Scott Auctions. But I'm here with Adam Martin. I know all those guys. You know all those know all guys. Those people. Adam is the, uh, the the Adam of Dave and, Mar- Dave and Adam. That's right. Uh, sports card, sports world. You've built quite an empire. How did that get started, Adam? Because I remember you when. And oh you my remember gosh. me when. Oh my gosh, Jim. I was just thinking about when I first met you. It was probably probably in the early nineties. I started I started doing cards in the in the in the mid eighties, around eighty six to Don Mattingly, Eric Davis. Yeah. Rookie craze time. And uh but I really started to travel nationally, going to nationals, going to the Kit Young trade show in Hawaii. I'm well, guessing I, that's I, where I, I met you. Probably met there, but yeah. were you were you always from the beginning a guy that thought big? Because that was my impression, I, that you weren't buying cards one at a time, even in the beginning. My, my mom tells a story about how when I was a little boy, I figured out that I, that if I didn't want to eat the tomatoes she was growing, I could pick the tomatoes and sell them door-to-door in my neighborhood. <laughs> and then, you know, I was the one with the Kool-Aid stand with the cookies. So I'd like to think that I had a little bit of a capitalistic bent in my in my youth. And uh, just I was going to college, and I didn't have a car, and I had to... Uh, walk slash jog to campus, and I would go down a street that had three baseball card stores on it. Oh, back in the day. I got a job in one of them, so this is 85, and uh, I really liked that concept of buying something for $10 and selling it for 20 and I, I embraced it right away. Well, there were uh, there have been periods in the hobby where it was easier to buy than to sell, as well as the opposite, mm-hmm. which now it's easier to sell than to buy. I think that's true. I think um, when I meet with my team and... you got to be get, thinking, how do we get more product? That's right. How do we spend more money? Because one of the things that's happened right now, uh, Panini and Tops especially, uh, since their products are so based upon autographs, they really can't ask these rookies to sign any more than they already are. So they are virtually at a cap of what they can produce. So if you wanted to grow your business, and I'm a great partner, a partner with, with right. both those companies, but you just can't buy any more product than you're already getting. Yeah. So you have to go out and, and, and find other things to buy to keep selling. But do you feel like the autographs are what really drive it? Because there's other... Not necessarily contrived scarcity, but I mean, they have some uh, variational scarcities and serial numbering and certain kinds of uh, memorabilia that seems to be more plentiful. Is it really the autographs that have to be well, there to drive the higher prices? There are certainly brands like a, a Prism, a Panini's Prism, Bowman for tops, the Upper Deck 1 and 2 for Upper Deck, of course, where the cards that people are chasing are. Are, are just technology cards, or, or in the but case of Upper Deck, ink and paper. But don't they have to move that way? That's well, the only way they can get out of the only dilemma they can make more, expressed. Right. So, but um, they have these brands that are succeeding for them, and if they say every box has an autograph, every not to mention to think about what Walmart has and what Target has, and you know all those need to have autographs. And so they, uh, Panini sources eight million autographs a year. I don't know if you've heard that number. It's it's, it's incredible when you think about it, That's and it's because they have these successful brands that require autographs. And so, right, the only way to make more of something would be to to get away from autograph to content, get and it works somewhat. Certain yeah. brands, but all their other brands that are successful. People look forward, I think, still to the, the autographs more than anything else. What uh, you've got a thriving business, but you, uh, when I see you at the at the nationals and I see some of your ads, you not only have the current product, but you you have pretty good action and well, not way way older stuff as much as, yeah. but not necessarily this year's stuff. Well, What's the configuration? There? So what the best best thing about us, we're, we're pretty diverse right now. Yeah, um, we're one of the top comic book buyers 
in the world right now, which is great. Uh, we just brought Reed Casaoka back. He'd been with us for a long time now. He's yeah. back and he's traveling around, spending money like crazy. He's buying a, a big deal of 52 high numbers uh, in a few weeks. It's, it's kind of exciting. Those guys have the best jobs. I think we have 20 guys who travel around buying vintage toys and vintage autographs and vintage cards. And, Did and they pay a, you to have that job? Or no, <laughs> no, but they, they work hard. They, 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 they do okay. Um, yeah. but that's the fun side of the building. I walk over there and say, Oh, look, a Babe Ruth ball, you know? Yeah. So that's the best part. I've, what I do is just more or less distribution. Now those guys have a fun job. Um, tell me about your partnership with Dave. Well, Dave and I were partners in 1991. Uh, and, uh, we've been friends forever. Then last year he decided he was done. So last, um, I think it was last fall. So just about not, not quite a year and a half ago. Uh, he's been with this, uh, great, uh, great woman and, uh, they've been dating for a few years. They decided they're going to get married and, uh, they want to move, uh, they want to move south. Uh, I don't know why Buffalo's beautiful this time of year, but they want to move south. And so he just decided um, maybe it was better for him to, after having done this for 30 years of his life, to uh, to, to step away. He's, he's, he's done pretty well. He's he's, the, he's banked some I of bet. his pennies I that he's bet. made. And, he, well, and he's, he's a good guy. And yeah. he's, he's, so he's retired right now. And people ask me, how's he doing? And I talk to him every I month. I bet he's doing fine. I bet he's playing. I think he's playing a lot of golf. And, and uh, you know, I don't know if he'll he'll go back into business and do anything else, but. Uh, right now, well, I think he's enjoying people, his life. When they retire, they know what they're retiring from, but they don't necessarily know what they're retiring to. And mm-hmm. I would think it'd be tough for Dave because what he was retiring from was something that probably was a lot of fun. Most of it. Yeah. See, Dave. Occasional headache, I'm sure. You know, I always got to be the guy who, who, who flies around and yeah. goes to all the shows and hangs out with you and, and everything oh, else. Well, and I Dave see is, him at some stuff back, Dave, back Yeah, he goes to a back. few things, but Dave yeah. is always in his office dealing with all the numbers. And I think, you know, after doing that for many, many years, especially during some of the lower yeah. times, uh, I think he was just... I think he just wanted to get out of the office and stop dealing with numbers every day for during well, his life. So, the uh, when I was finishing in grad school and I interviewed for a faculty position, one of the interviews was at, in Buffalo, at the <laughs> state, sunny that. Buffalo, state university, my, my, my alma mater, sunny Buffalo, and I had a nice interview there. Unfortunately, when I got off the plane for the interview, it was thirty below. The windshield, <laughs> wasn't the actual temperature, but the windshield right, was thirty right. below, and so I thought about it. There's a great group of faculty there. And there were some collectors there. I, I, I went over. I had dinner with Jim Macy. I know Jim. Yeah. Before, I just saw Jim. He was a long-time yeah. collector, kind of my age-ish. Uh, and, you know, we talked about all that. The following week, I had an interview in Bowling Green, at Bowling Green State University, mm-hmm. where I actually went. I accepted that job because when I got off the plane there, it was only 20 below. This was like in late January <laughs> right. of 1975, I guess. Mm-hmm. And they are apologizing. Oh, we're so sorry. It's so cold. <laughs> I just came from Buffalo. That's funny. Yeah. This is balmy, but yeah. the, both places are right on the lakes. They are where you get the, the cold wind out there. They are. At any rate, uh, so Dave's uh, moved on. How come it's Dave and Adams instead of Adam and Dave's? Oh, well, that's a. That's I'll give the two minute version of the story. I, uh, I met Dave doing uh, car shows around Buffalo and Rochester, and we were both uh, very young men. And um, and at the time, uh, the Buffalo Bills were getting hot, and some of the Sabres yeah. were getting hot. So I was talking late eighties, and I, I wanted to run some ads. And it was a good old Sports Collectors Digest classified section. And I said I was looking for someone to partner the expense with me. And so I said, hey, I have this great idea. Why don't we call ourselves Adam and Dave's Hockey World? Because we're going to start buying yeah. Pierre Turgeon rookies. And, and Dave said, I said, I'll put my phone number in. And I'm still living at home. Put my phone number in. They'll call. And my mom will say how, you know, how important we are. And I'll, and I'll talk to people <laughs> on the phone. Kidding. And I'll buy a bunch of Dave Andrew Truck rookies and Thurman Thomas rookies. And we'll split them. And he said, oh, I, I want them to call me too. I, w- I want to get those calls. That's the fun part. And I, I said, well, why don't we call it Dave and Adam's Hockey World? And that eventually morphed into Dave and Adam's Card World. just kind of stuck. Yeah. So, I, so I got, I've been called Dave about 53,000 times in my life. <laughs> Because uh, all because Dave wanted people to call his dorm room. <laughs> it just comes. It just comes out that way. Complex negotiation. Uh, what, what what was the uh, turning point for your business when you went from kind of a, a couple of guys to a kind of a 
Not, mm -hmm. you, don't, you still don't have a corporate feel in the classic sense. Yeah, we have 100 people. Big, I, mean, I know, but I mean, it's, but it's yeah. not stiff. No, it's not. It's still, I no, bet it's, it's like our company. Yeah, no one's wearing ties. more of a, a family-friendly, community sense of uh, fraternity. Almost. Yeah, we rarely get dressed up unless somebody but really what, what important is coming. Because you've been through uh, the ups and downs of the industry. I certainly think uh, when we really started advertising a lot more in the early 90s in print media, including your publications, thank yeah. you, and um, really started getting on the national stage on every major show, buying and selling. And then the internet, of course, was really where it went from. So we kind of had developed a, a, a good mail order customer base of a few thousand people. And they followed us over the internet. We were super active on eBay in their, in their initial years. Right. And we grew a base that way. But that really is, it's just the emergence of the internet and learning how to uh, source product, have enough to sell online and treat people online like you'd hope you'd be treated face to face. And I think that, that took us a long way. How have you kept the uh, avoided confusion from doing a little bit of retail, mm -hmm. uh, a, a whole bunch of wholesale, but then you're also like a, a super wholesaler. Mm. You're a wholesaler to the wholesalers. So I, how do you, uh, do you have different price breaks for quantity or how do you keep that straight? It's interesting. I, I always tell people that we're a commodities brokerage house. You know, it doesn't matter what something costs when it comes out. If it costs a hundred dollars a box, but market is dictating it's 300, then we want to sell as close to 300 as possible. Yeah. And unfortunately, a few years ago, market could take that hundred dollar box down to 60. Yeah. Right. So uh, for us, uh, the difference between, in our business, the difference between wholesale and retail are almost non-existent now. If a, if a case is worth 5000 we sell it for $5,000. It um, does not matter who you are. Uh, we, we, we sell it for whatever the market value of it is. So we don't really distinguish between wholesale and retail anymore, although we have better customers who we will try to help right. uh, whenever possible. But but again, when the hobby is hot like it is now, it's even difficult to get quantity pricing yeah. because you don't even have quantity. It's like uh, it's 5000 for one, but maybe it's 11000 for two. <laughs> well, I'd like to think I it's mean, like 4900 for two and not 11 per. But um, yeah, we have some... I have some good friends out there. I, I ran into one, and uh, he, he's a very successful businessman, remarkably successful. And, and he'll call and say, hey, can I get 10 cases of National Treasures? I say, no. Yeah. <laughs> because you have, to, you have to have it for everyone, and you, you can't be giving big price breaks right now because the market is so strong. You're just, you're just leaving money on the table, so to speak. Uh, what, one thing that was unhealthy about the market back when you got in, when I was around in those days, is that there was a lot of product that was being sold, but it wasn't necessarily being opened it was being stored away. Mm -hmm. Do you perceive that that's even, is that a very minute part of it now? Or is there stuff being put back to the tune of 5%? I think that, I think there's a lot of product being put back again right now. 10%? I, maybe 10%, which is quite a bit. Yeah. Uh, I think when you're talking about back in the, you know, the mid to late 80s, early 90s, right. it was more like 50%. 50%. So, uh, but the 10% is kind of remarkable. And I, I mentioned you before we started the interview that you know, there, there's, there's a lot of new money in the business right now. Yeah. Uh, there were, I saw people at the national spending crazy amounts of money I'd never seen before. And I, I worry about them. They were they, under 18. Something. No. <laughs> <laughs> but, uh, there's a lot of people putting real money in and putting product away. And I, I hope that it, it serves them better than it did, uh, you know, the folks back in the eighties that well, did, didn't work out so well for them. 10% I could handle that. That wouldn't be so bad. That would be, uh, uh, interesting to see. But, but again, there has to be, like I, I've said this before, there has to be health of the, the robust health of the hobby from the top guys all the way down to the bottom. Yeah. And that when people open up something, they've got to be excited about what they open. Right. Not just the very best card. And, you know, you're, so most of your business is in, in unopened stuff, right? Yeah, 90% plus. Okay. But you'll still buy collections. Oh, yeah. Okay. One of the things, uh, tell me a story, because I've heard this from people that have been in the industry for a long. Kit Young has famous stories mm -hmm. about this, our mutual friend. But, Collections and or big deals that he sold to a favorite customer who 10 years or more later comes back and says, mm -hmm. I want you to buy it back. We have a, a great customer. I bet you've had. In the great state of Texas, who we sold 
uh, 25 years ago, an unopened box of 62 top size series baseball. Now you think about how many of those are out there. And I recently, uh, he doesn't need the money by any means, but yeah. I recently flew down and, uh, don't go on deals myself anymore, yeah. but he, uh, I miss him and I flew down and I, I bought that box back and, and sold it. And we're talking. So that was an interesting one because it, it had gone up, you know, more than 10 times in value since yeah. I sold it to him. So he was pretty happy. Well, I think, uh, one of the episodes I did was that if you've ever sold anything in this industry 30 or 40 years ago, unless it was junk wax, yeah. you lost money compared to you like opportunity loss. 88 top stud, you send those rookies. But you don't have any those. heartburn about that. The no, things you, you sold that were too cheap. You just keep moving. You're like a shark. Only if I, you I still, keep moving. You got to keep getting product. I still collect. I still collect. I have a nice personal collection. So occasionally I regret something I sold 20 years ago. What's, I wish I'd kept what's uh, last question? What's the focus of your collection? What do you focus on? Um, uh, 48 to the present baseball, pre-war baseball. Uh, actually I'm collecting a lot of, a lot of, a lot of caramel cars, a lot of the okay. issues. And then, um, and then, and then, the and, 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 and a lot of, a lot of baseball hall of famers, uh, you know, X, VGX. It doesn't have to be great as long as that nice eye appeal. A lot of Hall of Fame autographs, Beatles. I could go on and on. I collect a lot. So of not that things. focused. 1980 Olympics. This is focused Winter on Olympics. things that you enjoy. Things that I care about. That you've experienced or that you. I did. I wasn't. I wasn't to? around for the Beatles. I was a little. Yeah. I've been two or three, but I, I just think they're great. So yeah. I collect Beatles and the 80 Olympic team, uh, a hockey team. Yeah, I thought yeah, was great. Yeah. So I collect that stuff, and then of course baseball because look what I do for a living. So. Yeah. Well, Adam, I'm not going to call you Dave. I have called you Dave at least once. Oh, well, you're only and one, one of many. I'm one of many. <laughs> And, uh, but we, we've had a friendship and I've admired how you uh, built your business because you've created a niche that, uh, has provided service. And you, you like, like what I felt like I did, you've had imitators. Yes. But right. the fact that you've kept innovating has kept you, uh, going strong. So, uh, thanks listeners. Uh, thanks, uh, Adam for, uh, sharing some of your story. We'll be back again tomorrow with another episode. As always, uh, enjoy the hobby and you might even consider not just our sponsors, but David Adams today. So thanks again. So long.